What's going on, Straight Talk Faithful? Your host, your boy, George Mackay, back in studio again, pre-recorded as I always do. And today, I got another good one for you. If you're listening via audio, I'll introduce them in a short second. If you're on YouTube and you're already catching the video, you can see I have in front of me right now. This man is an up-and-coming indie talent. He is from the USA, as much as, as I am from Canada. Please welcome to Straight Talk Wrestling, the 11th Warrior. What's up, my dude? What's up, George? How you doing, man? How's I'm life? Good. Life is good. You know, uh, I live in Ontario, Canada, and we just uh, went into phase two of this COVID-19 reopening. Uh, you yeah. guys were a little bit ahead of us uh, in certain areas. You already got your gyms open. You got all your stuff kind of back in full force. We're just getting to those stages now. As you can see, I am in desperate need of a haircut, and it is coming very soon. So I'm excited Looks about good. that. I appreciate that. My wife did it for me. I kind of got the COVID barbershop going on at home. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So uh, standard question I always ask any wrestler that I interview, and uh, it's kind of my go-to question to start off anything. I call it the defining moment. It's that moment in time you remember falling in love with this business that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, man. Um, age of four, I had my first vision that I was going to be in a professional wrestling ring, and I knew from there. I saw it. Um, I, I was wa I was watching Macho Man Randy Savage. I couldn't tell you which match it was, uh, but um, yeah, man, I just remember him coming off the top ropes and doing an elbow drop, and that that memory to this day is still stuck with me, and was pretty much the driving force from there. I was just listening to my intuition. Well, it sounds like a really good uh, person to be idolizing, of course. I mean, Macho Man, one of the greats. And I'm assuming that you have quite a, fl a high-flying style, right? I mean, you try to do your research. You try to find stuff on the Internet. But it's so hard to really pick through all the stuff that's true or that isn't true, especially in the indie scene. So for you, what is your style when you step in that ring? Man, my style, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe my style. I think a guy like me is very much who he is in the ring. I think I'm very much my personality. Uh, I think I'm very much, uh, you, if you want to use the term high flying, but I don't even look at it that way. I think I'm very explosive. I'm very intense. Uh, I enjoy I enjoy the artistry of showing emotion in the ring. And if a high flying spot is the right moment for me, with the intensity and emotion behind it, then maybe I'm high flying that day. But I always look at myself as someone who has to feel the audience, has to feel the moment to create the art that is necessary for the for the thing, if that makes sense. Absolutely, it does. I always consider wrestling to be an art form. A lot of people don't see it that way, but I can already tell that you and I are on that wavelength where it is. It's a story. It's a movement. It's everything that's done, and it's completely done without words. Occasionally, you have your spots where somebody may be like, you know, come at me, or somebody may come across the ring, or like, I'm not done, or pandering to the crowd. You have those moments for sure, but the bulk, the meat and potatoes of the match is the movesets. It's the fluidness. It's the flow. It's how everything. And, and the big important part of it is, is that energy in the crowd feeding off yeah. that energy. And you can always tell which way a match needs to go. You might even change it up on the fly based on the audience around you. The so audience you is just a part of it. And that's what's fucking cool, dude. Can I swear? I'm sorry. If absolutely. I, you know, absolutely. Uh, Don't worry. This is not for kids. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> sweet, sweet. No, but I, you know, I think it's it's all about 
it is about the story and it's about capturing it, the audience look the audience is like they're like they're that extra thing that's in your art that you won't expect one way or the other whether they're loud or they're quiet they cheer they boo whatever they play such an intricate role in the manifestation of how things should be written out on paper in terms of in the moment like you know the audience is one of the most important parts of professional wrestling it's actually funny because we're in a pandemic and the most important thing i think is one of the most important things other than the two performers the two wrestlers who are the artists as well but the third artist who's not really there and that's an interesting thing to me right now because that forces people to change the game it forces for them to come up with different storytelling that might be different and you see it a little bit in wwe with these um I guess you can call them these cinematic matches, but you know, these are, this has been kind of starting very slowly. So I'm, I'm, you know, I think it's an interesting time right now to not only be a wrestler, but also the wrestling fan who can't express themselves a particular way and be a part of that. You know, it's interesting. Oh, I, I miss it. I miss, I miss going to indie shows where I, especially where I'm from in Ontario, Canada, we have a huge indie scene out here. So many great promotions and uh, where, where are you located? Yeah, man, I'm in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. So uh, I, I started my career uh, up in Canada, actually. Uh, Neo Sport Pro, uh, Empire State Wrestling, ESW. This was, uh, gosh, 2004. And uh, yeah, went to Ohio Valley Wrestling in, uh, 2000 and at the end of 2004. <laughs> so, so it, you know, it's, I got a little piece of that Ontario, man. Like, uh a lot of fun, a lot of fun people out there. Back, did you go to Neo Sport Pro? Do you do you remember this, or was this like Neo Sport Pro? I'll be honest with you, Neo Sport Pro was uh, a little bit before my time in the indie scene. Um, most okay. recent, okay. Most uh, the longest standing promotion that I've been uh, attending and been a part of has been five years now, and that's Destiny, Destiny Wrestling, Destiny World Wrestling. Oh, yeah. out of Mississauga, run by the the yep. Iceman George, uh, George the Iceman Menendez. He is a fantastic promoter one hell of a booker, and he brings in some of the best talent. But um, I've interviewed a lot of cats from the South, uh, a lot of guys from your area, Kentucky, Tennessee, and I know you guys have one hell of a scene out there. And I know your fans are, from what I've heard, I've even had some wrestlers from Canada who have gone over there. They've done the whole Southern kind of Southern Belt tour, and they always say that the fans in Kentucky especially, they're rowdy, and they're a fun time. And it sucks. It must be painful for you right now especially because with WWE and AEW, there is that outlet for wrestling. There's that, you know, we can get to it for something, but you being an indie wrestler, it's hard to have those that you can't have empty arena shows. You could try to broadcast on YouTube if you have that big enough of an audience, but a lot of times you need those physical fans in the arena. So from a wrestling yeah. standpoint, what you're seeing with WWE doing, I mean, yeah, the cinematic matches are absolutely cool, but what about the stuff they've been doing lately with um, even AEW or even Impact Wrestling? The empty arena, like weekly cinematic shows. What are your takes on that? And now they're incorporating their up-and-coming roster into the kind of mix to give that crowd experience. Well, I commend both companies. I mean, I think nobody knows what the fuck to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's if, if, I, if I had to look at it that way, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking, but what do you do? You know, how do you handle this? Uh, do you put people in the crowd that are your own roster and make them cheer and boo? Do you, I, I don't know what the answer to that is, but um, 
Yeah, I I think it's an interesting time in life. You know, forget about the wrestling business. Look at life as a whole. It's a very interesting time. And so because there's so much uncertainty, um, I think it does suck. Yeah, man, I think it sucks that you can't have an audience and perform. And, and I, I think it sucks that one day all of this seems real and then one day this doesn't seem real and then and then and then they're closing things they're opening things wear a mask don't wear a mask like there's just a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening right now man in the world and uh i don't know i i as a performer sure i miss it i love it but also i could say as a performer taking a seat and just sitting and thinking of your own stuff and thinking about who you are as a human. I think a lot of people, what they might underestimate is they're going to come back stronger. They're going to come back with a different perspective, a perspective where they will see how they should perform differently. And, and they might have a deeper sense of appreciation and the same thing with the fans. And, and, and so I have this optimistic point of view, if you were to ask me on it, you know, it's like, I think it, it will be okay, but right now it does kind of suck. Um, I don't know if wrestling sucks. I don't know if like I can watch these products and say, well, they suck because of this, this and this. I just think one of the main things that's missing is the audience. And I think that sucks as a whole. Um, I don't know if it worsens their product or whatever. I, it's not my cup of tea. But at the same time, what else do you do? You know, how else do you justify weekly television shows on a, you know, major station and 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 make this all kind of work? You know, I I don't know, man. There's four phases, right? Is that is that my understanding? There is. Yeah. So so how many how long realistically does it take to get to the fourth phase? You know, what is that fourth phase meaning people come into an arena? Is that what would that be included in the fourth phase? I'm not I'm not quite sure, but. I believe that is the case. I believe that um, the fourth, the fourth and final phase is like big gatherings, gatherings over uh, a couple thousand people. So at that point, yeah, you're talking arenas, you're talking sporting events, you're talking wrestling shows. Not so much indie wrestling shows unless there's a big, big event happening. But you're talking like WWE, AEW, all those big cats in the yard. They're gonna get their fans back in the fourth phase. But for the indie scene, I think they're gonna increase when it comes down to it. I think phase three, you're allowed gatherings in your home of about 20 people at that point and then in actual like restaurants and stuff you can have upwards of 50 people so if restaurants can have that that means that an indie show could put on a small venue sell out 50 tickets maybe 60 tickets and then that's it that's kind of your audience but for a lot of Do you, you guys, raise your price yeah, you'd have to raise the price because the talent costs a certain amount you know i'm like looking at it from a financial standpoint though like right. so would you as a as a as a, as as a, as someone who's supporting indie wrestling would you pay more money for less being around less people I don't know you know I, and are those people willing to do that I don't know it's it's what I think about though I from I, a, I, from a I believe, standpoint I believe that if 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 a lot of wrestling fans were passionate people so if one of my favorite promotions opens up down here and says listen we're putting on a show 50 people first come first serve our tickets used to be 20 bucks now they're going to be 50 bucks uh i would do that because it's still something that i love so me personally okay. in my yeah. opinion yes yeah. i would pay double the price to have less people around me and still be able to watch my favorites put on a great show 
So I would do that. 100%. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a cool thing. That's a cool. See, that's man. That's what's special about wrestling fans. I mean, you know, fuck, we're all we're all marks. You know, we 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 we're all marks. We we all we all we're all we're all marks. So we can freaking make our mark eventually. That's what it's all. That's what it is. You start off as a mark, and then you want to make your mark. So it's this like, I just think it's a. Um, I think that's cool when I can hear someone across from me on the other side of things say, dude, I would fucking pay the 50 bucks or if it was 20 and they said 50, I would pay for that. That's an interesting perspective. And I think that that says a lot about wrestling and, 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 and how the people feel about it, man. The fans are passionate. They're the best part. That's why we perform. You know, and I just can't imagine what it's like to be a part of those companies right now and carrying it, carrying the, the show in a, in a way that's awkward in a way. So I don't know, like, I think it's an interesting time in, in, in life, bro. And I think it's going to get better though. And I think this, these people are going to become stronger performers out of it. I think all of us win. We don't see it yet, but the sun always rises. Oh, 150%. And I, I believe, like you said, wrestling fans are, in my opinion, we are the best sports fans that are out there because Rain, shine, snow, sleek, heated temperatures, and a, an arena with no air conditioning, we're still going to fill it up. We're going to bitch and complain about it, but we're still going to fill it up. We're going to drive two hours to the nearest show because the guy on the card or the girl on the card, we just love them so damn much that it's willing to put that extra gas in our tank to do it. We will, we will travel through any kind of weather conditions to get out there. Why? Because we just give a so we give so much to the business, and the business gives so much to us. The coolest part for me right now is that I'm a proud dad, two girls. I got a ten year old and a my ten year old. The last year I've been exposing her more and more to the Ontario indie scene that we have here, and the best part about it is seeing the relationships she's developed with the wrestlers. I go to a show, or when COVID wasn't around, we used to go to a show. And they would all, she would go up to them and they, she'd be like, hi, do you remember me? And they'd be like, oh my God, I do. I still have the brace that you made me. Or I have the picture that you drew. And that's what I love. I love the interactions that they could go in the ring, they could turn it off and they could show that face. But I love that after, once all the smoke's cleared, they see a fan that they've seen at 20 shows and they'll stop and say, man, I remember you at that show. You killed it. You screamed your head off. Can we take a picture? Hell yeah, let's take a picture. Let's do that. And that's what I love about the wrestling business so much is it's not like when you meet a hockey star or a basketball star or a baseball star, very rarely do they connect with you unless you're a make-a-wish kid. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but wrestlers will connect with anybody that gives them enough to come out, pay that money, cheer for them, and then go home with a t-shirt or an autograph. I think that's the best part about the business. Well, they're a part of the, the fans are the fans are part of the story making, aren't they? in that regard their passion that it comes through in in moments in matches that make the matches awesome it's funny when sometimes people say look at my match and look what we did and i'm like look what the audience is doing look at what they're doing for you look at what they're appreciating there's such a big role in the storytelling of our human lives all of us you know what i mean and that to me is is the coolest part I do. It's all about the fucking fans, man. Always about the fans. Always about the audience. Absolutely. Yeah.
so before we get into a little bit of your history and your training, there's a, a, sure. a, a trend happening right now in wrestling, and I don't know how comfortable you are talking about it, but I think you know where I'm going with this. It's the whole speaking yeah. out. It's the whole speaking out movement that's happened recently, and this is kind of cool yeah. for me because to get a perspective from a guy in the trenches, somebody in, and, and a lot of it's been all over the place. We've had wrestlers outed here in Canada. You've had a lot of guys uh, outed out back home in the U.S. and everything that's happening over there. Uh, Dave Lagana from NWA stepped down. Impact Wrestling said goodbye to Joey Ryan, uh, said goodbye to, uh, well, they suspended Michael Elgin, said goodbye to Dave Chris. Uh, AEW has uh, put Sammy Guevara on a, you know, a suspension without pay. Uh, Jimmy Havoc's doing this stuff there. WWE, nobody's really come out yet. But a lot of the older guys like Congo Kong and stuff like that, everybody's kind of come out and said they bullied me, they harassed me, there was dick pics, there was inappropriate comments made, text messages, all this kind of shit. And it's just horrible. It's hard as a wrestling fan and a podcaster and a media, it breaks my heart. Sucks, man. It breaks my heart. Sucks. And and I the one thing I could say is that I think this, when it's all done, and again, all the smoke clears, and we get back to business as usual in wrestling. I think this will make locker rooms better. I think it'll make promoters yeah. pay more attention. And I think it'll make other wrestlers treat other wrestlers with a little bit more respect and dignity, whether it be male or female. What's your take on all of that? Well, I 100, uh, let me start by saying I 100 and fucking 90,000% agree with you. Like, you know, um, so we're both fathers, you know, and I'm a father of a daughter. Uh, she's 12. Um, yes, I'm a girl dad. Woohoo, girl dad. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. Dude, it's cool, man. I really love being a dad. I fucking love being a dad. You know, I always, I often wonder, if I wasn't a dad at a young age, how would I have ended up as a man? You know, I was raised by a mom anyway. I was raised by a woman. So, like, I don't think I'd be too different. But, like, I, I you know, I look at these situations that are occurring that you never hear about. Like, it's like, wow, it must have been that much of a, you know, you hear these things about certain guys that you've seen or rubbed elbows with along the way, but you're like, oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really? And it's, 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 I don't know what to say, man. It's, it's really heartbreaking. It's, dude, it's heartbreaking. I don't, and I feel more worse for the people, the victims, the women who didn't feel like they could help themselves i don't know man this is the stuff i fear as a dad <laughs> like yeah. this is the stuff you think about you know i've been in my 20s i've been a uh promiscuous dude uh can't say i've ever <laughs> had a problem with younger people or uh people in the wrestling business i was always an older women kind of guy but you know my when i look back at my days where i was you know being a piece of shit i mean i, I broke up marriages and stuff and 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 i had to handle that the really hard way and i think what these guys are gonna have to do is not defend themselves but take responsibility for their actions and i'm not saying that's gonna get you liked but it's a little bit more honorable than trying to defend and fight certain truths. And I just think that's really important for these men to do that. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't know what to say. I, I'm a guy of, I'm a, I believe in, um, I'm a man of, um, of love, man. And I think that I want to see more love 
and I and I think you're right. I think this is clearing out a lot of the negative energy, if you want to look at it that way, or the fat. It's cutting. It's trimming the fat. I came I came up in an industry when I first started, dude. Um, it was very manipulative and evil in certain ways, and I'm now through this experience, through looking at what's going on, you know, I'm now looking at my story and saying, wow, there was a lot of weird shit I saw along the way, but you think it's normal because you were taught that this is okay. You know, you were taught, and I'm not talking about from men and women aspect. I'm talking about from hazing, a hazing aspect. I'm talking from like being bullied or picked on and you just, don't know what to do because you just got to keep your mouth shut or you're going to get in trouble. You know, like it's like this, this type of fear you're living in. And I think it's just so cool that there's a generation now, this, this tier under me, I would say is correcting it or doing their best to communicate the wrongdoings of this and that this is bad shit. And I think that needs to get it. I need, I think that stuff needs to finally get out of the industry, man. I mean, I remember walking into the industry and you're hearing about these old timers talk about all the messed up things they did, but it was so normal. It's like so normal to them. And, and I guess that goes to show you, George, that this is like, we're in a different time today. We're in a different like era of life and, and this is an opportunity. So yeah, man, I think it's really shitty in a lot of ways. And then I think it's really fucking awesome. Just because people like our kids who may or may not ever watch this industry when they're older or get into it, but you at least know in your own mindset, okay, they cleared the bullshit and hopefully now wrestling can be a place where it is safe, man. I don't know what to say. It's I'm, I had, I had to actually stop like looking at things because I was, I, I literally felt like my heart was breaking all the time. Like, it's just like, Oh, I'm like, I got to stay away from this stuff. Like, you know, it's like, and then I sit there and then I'm, I'm just thinking about these, these people who are suffering and I'm not talking about the men who got caught. I'm talking about the women who have to feel these things, man, as a man who in his life has grown and fallen and got up and grown as a man who's been through that i have a lot of empathy for people who are trying to heal themselves in these other ways and i don't know it's it's a um it's some deep shit bro but um at the end of the day i'm a man of optimism and i think it's all for the better too i'm with you i'm with you on all of it i just i'm with you on all of it i i wish i wish i could say more that that was smart and cool and whatever that would help something, but there's nothing. It's just, you just hope that people smarten the fuck up, like cut the bullshit. I don't know. Um, no, you I, know, I don't know. I, I agree these, with these you. Weird. I, I, I feel what you're saying. It's the passion coming out. It's the frustration. It's, it's everything kind of rolled into one, but I will say this is that as much as it's broken my heart, what I think it's done is it's given these people a voice. And I look at 2020 as a, a, a weird kind of flux in history of mankind. I look at 2020 as um, it's the start of a new decade. Uh, it was a fucked up start right from the get-go. We had COVID. We had, uh, you know, um, 
We had from COVID, we went into all the, the suffering and everything that's going on right now, especially in the U.S., uh, Black Lives Matter, which is a huge, important uh, part of history that we have to look at and we have to correct the way things are done. And I'm not going to say just, yep. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen just in the U.S. It happens all over the world and it needs to stop. And everybody needs to just be treated. This literally has to be, to quote Bob Marley, it's, it's one love. It, it, that's what it's all should be about. It should be about respecting your fellow human being. And that's what I yeah. believe the speaking out movement is about too. It's correcting the ignorance of past generations that had no respect. They had respect for the business. Yep. They had respect for kayfabe. They didn't have respect for human beings. And I've heard the stories. Yep. I've seen the stories. I've, I've literally seen, like, even where I'm from here, uh, recently, uh, last year, we had an all-boys college here in Toronto called St. Mike's. They were brought under huge scrutiny for what was happening on their hockey team, hazing, beatings, uh, assaults of the sexual and physical kind, just all kinds of stuff. And then it was like, oh, well, it's the norm. No, it's not. It's not the norm. It's not the way things should go. The way things should go is that everyone should be treated with respect. And the worst part about it all, as much as the internet has been out there to uh, spread these things, from all the, the clips going viral about everything everything that's going on in the U.S. with all the protests and all the suffering sure. and how everybody's going through that, and then speaking out how everybody's speaking their truths, as much yeah. as it's been great for that, there's been all the bullshit of all those keyboard warriors, all those people that just like to get on keyboards because they're behind their computer and it's safe, and they can speak their piece or speak their truth, and their truth is not a truth. Their truth is just feeding into more, throwing more gasoline on an already lit fire. The whole world, yeah. as, as far as I'm concerned, is ready to burn. It's ready to go down in flames. But these situations like, like this, as much as they break us heart, I think they give us hope next year. 2020 is already 100%. halfway over, but I know 2021 has got to be better than 2020 was. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, man. Um, you know, uh, shit is manure, which means it's fertilizer for new things to grow. So when you're in the shit, remember, you will grow, you will change, you will evolve, you will ascend. We all have to. That's the game. And and I so I agree with you, but the shit, the problems, the issues, that's the fucking deal, bro. That's what makes things grow, and that's what this movement is, and I agree with you. I agree with you 110%. It's... um. Cool time to be alive, man. It's freaking crazy. But you're right, 2020, man. There's some clear vision for you right there. Um, it's 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 show, it's it's opening your eyes. And yeah, you um, and and yeah, you just for me as a human, the thing I always think about is pe people's safety is like in terms of physical war. You know, like uh, everyone just learning to just. Chill the fuck out. <laughs> we can all, if you know, through some decent conversation and some open, open discussions, beautiful things can happen, and real communication, not in always pointing the finger. Pointing the finger is good, but I do believe in sitting down with the opposition, whether you agree with them or not. But sitting down with them and just having a conversation where there could be maybe a perspective met. Where there's always, I think humans have this capability. That's why we're extraordinary beings. You know, we have this capability where we could sit down and talk about things if you're honest enough, if you're willing to be vulnerable enough and admit your bullshit. There could be a lot of beauty that comes from that. 
But unfortunately, we're still in this phase where people are we're weeding these things out and we're figuring it out. It might take another couple hundred years, man. I'm not sure. But uh, that's how I look at it all. You know, it's um, but very beautiful. Nonetheless, I think it's important to constantly look at life as a gift because it can end at any moment for any of us. And ultimately, what was it all worth to you? You know, hopefully you expressed yourself to the fullest. So, yeah, man. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think we're vibing on the same way. Like, I'm loving it. I'm having a great time. This is a great conversation. So let's flip it back to a little bit. Let's flip it back to a little bit more positivity right now. So you had sure. this vision when you were four years old. You're like, okay, Macho Man, he's going for the elbow drop from the top. When did you decide yeah. you, you were going to step in the ring? What, what was training like for you? And how did you come up with the design of your character? For me, I'm big on the character development. I want to know, because I've seen your Instagram, I, I checked it out when we started talking before we set this whole thing up, and there's one really epic photo of you just on the ground, kind of in the middle of like a street, and I fucking love it, it's it's like a dope photo, and I like, I just got to ask him about that, so let's talk about training to character development to sure. where the 11th warrior came from. Okay, um, I might forget one of those questions somewhere, so just like, keep me on track, uh, I'm all over the place, uh, but yeah. Training, dude. I trained at ESW. I started when I was uh, Empire State Wrestling, which is out of Buffalo, New York. I'm sure you've heard of it, maybe. Uh, 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 yeah, I'm from North Tonawanda, New York, Niagara Falls, actually, uh, just like outside of, uh, on the American side, of course. And um, I was in a high school, man, and, and one of my friends came up to me and said, hey, there was this local wrestling school. I want you to be part of Like, you should be a part of it. You want to be a pro wrestler, right? I said, fuck yeah. So I went to ESW. I started, like I said, 17 years old. Uh, long story short, I uh, shortly after that, one of the trainers brought me to England where I got to work for the Knight family, um, uh, Paige's parents, and uh, w- was there for about six months. And then I made the decision where I wanted to go to OVW. Now, at the time, I was in college. I just got in college. I was studying psychology. And I wanted to find a way to, like, sneak out of college uh, and somehow go to OVW. But I didn't know how I was going to do that. And so I, yeah, I, I quit college, man. And my dad didn't know for the longest time. And my mom knew. My, <laughs> oh, mom. my mom was real supportive. My mom was like, go get your dreams. But my dad, he was like, he was a politician. They were divorced anyway, but he just didn't know. But he got me my, uh, he got me my college stuff. So yeah. Anyway, I had to take the chance. But shortly after, dude, I went to OVW and um, really started training there. I would say, you know, I started ESW, worked for about, you know, eight months, doing a show once a month. But really, England and o- Ohio Valley Wrestling was like the main thing for me, where I got real experience. When we were in England, we were doing. Gosh, it was 17 shows in one week. So it was like two to three shows a day, bro. Wow. Um, at wow. these holiday camps. And yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was real busy. Uh, and, and then OVW was an incredible experience. Uh, I, I don't know. I could say so many cool things about that place because it was just like, it was where I learned my bread and butter, dude. I was trained by Rip Rogers uh, and Al Snow. Uh, I was under all these guys, Jim Corden. I mean, everybody. There were so many people. Paul Heyman at the time. There was there was just a ton of people at OVW. And just training under all these minds, man. Being around um, the Matt Capitellis, uh, being around the Johnny Nitros. Uh, I was kind of that era of, of wrestling. Simon Dean was there. It was, a, it was a different, you know, I don't know how 
how good where you are in your history or when you came in, but well, anywho, I'm, I'm pretty so. good. We're good. I've been a fan since I was five years old. I'm pretty good. All the okay, I'll shut the fuck up then. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> let me shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. So no, nah, man. I just kind of uh, this was like my crew, dude. The Dolph Zigglers, and and I got to be around these guys. Um, and watch them all go up, dude. And uh, I was just one of those guys that was waiting for my chance to go up. And what was happening was WWE was interested in me, but they never um, they never hired me. They always like they always gave me all these road shots where they'd put me on the road with them and let me do stuff. Then there was some extra work, and then I was getting a bunch of darks for years. And um, it was like a good eleven years of that. Where and then finally, like. Um, yeah, I, I, so let me, so I'm fast forwarding a bit much, but that was my experience. Like I did Ohio Valley Wrestling. Uh, WWE eventually ended up pulling out of OVW. Uh, Danny Davis at the time who owned OVW didn't know what to do. Uh, didn't know if he was going to close down or what. Joey Mercury at the time stayed there and he decided he wanted to keep this place afloat. And 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 so he asked us, all these these wrestlers who wanted to go move to Florida for WWE, he said, hey, are you guys willing to stay here and try to build this place? So that's what we did, dude. Um, we stayed there. We gave it a shot. We built the place. And within a few years, we were selling it out all the time. Um, so, yeah, just to give you kind of some context there. I don't know where you want me to go in this story, but ask your questions because uh, I can just, I'll just fly keep flowing. Place with it. So after so, you built it up, when did you when did you move to Kentucky? So I moved to Kentucky. Well, I moved to I've been in Kentucky since um, since 2004, the end of or the end of 2004. So I mean, oh, I I came to OVW or I came to Kentucky for OVW. Okay. So so yeah yeah. So I left Buffalo. I left ESW. But from time to time, I would go up, do ESW, work their shows. It was cool. But for the most part, I was always a WWE guy. I wanted to. I want to be in the WWE. Um, so yeah, uh, a, a good friend of mine along the way who became a mentor of mine, Santino Morella, he, um, he, he ended up taking me in a 19 year old kid, you know, who he hardly knew, but he just liked me. And he ended up taking me in on the studio hotel, man. And this dude like ended up basically training me how to be a man in this world. <laughs> and, and he became a really good friend of mine still is to this day, a brother of mine who, who has taught me just simple ways of life, man, where, um, he, he, my, my friendship with him in OVW and throughout his whole entire run in WWE was just incredible, uh, in terms of the way he always treated me and, and taught me how to be a good person. So I, I, I have to give him a shout out and just say, thanks, Anthony, for always being a huge part of my life, dude. So yeah, that's so I want to say that. So the 11th Warrior came about, uh, I would say, actually about five years ago, four years ago, where um, I don't want to get too much into it because I, I still have some feelings and reservations about how I feel. But I had a circumstance at WWE where they were looking at me and they were interested in in this character that I created, the 11th Warrior. They're in, it was the Warrior of Truth. And... They were interested in this. And I was told to go talk to somebody that day. And I went to talk to him and he had me kicked out of the arena. And it was just a situation where my career was basically squashed within seconds. All the hard work, all the blood, sweat and tears gone because I went up to the king on the wrong day and it was off with his head. 
So um, that was really hard for me. So I didn't know what to do with this 11th warrior character for the longest time. I said, what is this 11th warrior? Who am I? And the 11th warrior is an extension of who I am in terms of how I see myself in the world, how I always have. I was a kid who grew up in special ed classes. I was picked on and bullied my whole entire life. And um, the 11th warrior was this vision I saw of myself, a man wearing armor who has a sword that represents awareness with that we wield at any point. And um, I just developed this idea of myself of this is how I see myself in the world. And regardless if WWE likes me or not, I'm going to express this to the world. And um, it was funny, years later, WWE contacts me and says, we really like this thing you're doing. I was doing motivational speaking and I was um, doing the best I can to help kids. I'm, I'm really into helping out the, the youth. And um, I was using, but I was coming out as this moniker, the 11th warrior. I'd go to these schools and, and you know, it's like, he's a pro wrestler, but I'd just be dressed up as this, this way I see myself. And I, and I call it an avatar. And WWE took interest in this again, invited me to Raw. Um, this was now in 2018, I want to say. 2018, December, Cleveland, Ohio. They call me. They say, this is really cool. We're going to give you a tryout in April. Um, and why don't you come here, get some blood work done. I did that. And then they had me kicked out of the building again. <laughs> so... Uh, they said, oh, we thought you were supposed to be here, but you weren't, so you got to leave again. So that was heartbreaking. Wow. Um, so I so I found myself, so the 11th Warrior is this, like, extension of me, man, where I felt like he was killed on the battlefield, but he's still going. They thought he was dead. And that's what, that's what the indie wrestling was, and that's what, even getting into it more before this pandemic happened, um, it kind of, like, halted everything. But I still don't, I don't fret, because this is how I see myself still, whether I'm a wrestler or I'm just Jamin, the human, you know, the human, because that's, because you know, dude, as well as I do, this game of life is longer than just the business, you know, the business is this, and then life is this. Yep. So, you know, it's it's that's my motivation. And and so now this is how I express myself until the time is right to perform. Yeah. Uh, did I answer your question? A hundred percent. And it's actually it's kind of funny that you mentioned Anthony uh, Santino Morella, Anthony Corelli, because I know him very well as well. A lot of the shows I attend are out of his oh, facility yeah. in Mississauga, Battle Arts Academy. I've interviewed him. I've interviewed his daughter. They are fantastic human beings, man. And his daughter. Yeah, she's a killer. She's going to tear it up. She's going to absolutely, when she, gonna when she gets her moment, she's going to tear it up. Yeah. And you know what? She's a lot better looking than her dad in a dress. I can say that much. We all yeah. remember yeah. Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can say <laughs> she's a lot better looking than her dad. <laughs> oh. I'm to how he, how, how that's even his kid still, you know, I, he's so ugly, man. Uh, no, he, he's a good dude. <laughs> such a great human being. He's such a... Anthony Corelli, man. Wow, dude. I don't know what the, that guy is a guy. He just changed my life, man. He saw a 19 year old kid and he said, dude, when you go to these OVW shows, dress up in a suit. I was like, why? He's like, cause they'll take you serious. They'll look at you as a man. I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. I'll do that. You know, I was a fucking kid. I didn't know. So I go out and get a suit and I, you know, and, he would say, yeah, he put his tie, he put my tie, he's like an older brother, dude. He just always had a way of, and what a creep, he killed it, man. So, yeah, 
It's cool that you know. It's it's small world, dude. Small world. Small very effing big world. world. But the, I always say the rest of the community is very, 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 very small. And it's reputations and it's connections and it's all that kind of stuff that matters. So now you and I, we've developed that connection. We've developed that reputation. And I had an absolute blast with this conversation. I really did. I had a great time with this, man. So before I let you go, if you want to let everybody out there know your socials, where they can find you, how they can keep up on you so that when the whole world gets back to whatever the new normal is, the 11th warrior can be found wherever he's needed. Fuck yeah, man. Uh, well, yeah, first and foremost, thanks to everyone that's listening and that's interested in wrestling. You make this shit go round. Without you guys, none of this is possible. Uh, without you guys, this show isn't possible. So thanks for supporting my good man here and just being good people and continue to do so. He's got a lot of great energy. And um, I think I see this thing really blowing up. With that being said, you can find me on social uh, under Jamin Olivencia or the 11th Warrior. You can go to my website, jaminolivencia.com. I uh, I do personal development, uh, work with people, and uh, also professional wrestling. If you ever need me to talk at a school or whatever, contact me. What's up? And uh, you guys be the best you can. Fantastic. And as all you guys already know, I'll shout them out again just because it's fun to say it because I like to say, I shout my own name out as much as possible. On Twitter at underscore straight talk. And on Instagram and Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling. And you can find us every Thursday on Podbean. And now officially on YouTube. I am blowing up on YouTube. And it's been a great, it's been a great, a great run. And it's been two years of awesome conversations like this. And now I can say, Jamin, you have my Skype ID. I have yours. You are officially a member of the Straight Talk family. Anytime you want to come back, my man, I would absolutely love to have you on the show. Let's do it, man. Let's do it when the time's there, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you, man. Thanks absolutely. for seeing you. So you go enjoy the rest of your night. You stay safe. Say hello to your daughter. And I will say hello to mine from you. And I just can't wait to see everybody get back in a ring and everybody be safe. And I got to say, as, as much as wrestling conversations go, I felt you and I, we connected a lot on wrestling. But I felt we talked a lot about life today. And I thought that was the most enjoyable yeah. part of it. Thank you, man. That means a lot to me. I um, Yeah, I have a tendency to do that. So sorry if I go off on the life stuff more than the wrestling. I know this is a wrestling show. But just thanks for anybody who listened. And and I appreciated our connection, man. It's very heartfelt. And uh, you be the best you can. Like, just continue to be a good human. If you fuck up, own it and just keep moving. You know what I'm saying? That's what I do. I tell my daughters that the, the same thing every day. I say, you make a mistake, you fuck up, you own it. It's easier to tell the truth than it is to spill bullshit. I 100% agree with that, yes. my friend. So you take care. Enjoy the rest of your night. And as always, George. guys, I am your host, your boy, George Mackay. Peace out. Peace, love, and wrestling. We'll see you guys next week. Take care, Jamie. Peace out, brother. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh.